My name is Patrick J. McGinnis, and I coined the term FOMO. That's short for fear of missing out, and it's why some people end up following the crowd. But we're not like them. We're part of a new species that isn't afraid to do things differently. I call us FOMO sapiens. And this is the show where you'll meet people like us, phenomenal FOMO sapiens, to learn how they find the courage and the ideas to live exceptional lives. FOMO. FOMO. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to FOMO Sapiens. It's a show for people who don't just follow the crowd, but instead take their own path to success in business and in life. I'm your host, Patrick J. McGinnis, venture capitalist by day, author and podcaster by night, and of course, FOMO Sapiens 24-7. Now, last week's show was part one of a two-part interview with Diego Saiz Heel talking about finding purpose through adversity. So if you haven't heard that, go and listen to it first or else you're not going to get all of the juice out of this episode. So you got to have that context before listening. So go ahead and do that. If not, stay with me here. On this episode, we're going to continue the conversation and you're going to learn the experience that Diego had taking his company, Blue Smart up the top of the mountain, all the glory, the Y Combinator, the millions in sales, all the millions raised, and then what happened when they ran into a major challenge and basically had to sell the company very quickly. And it was a massive, massive I guess, adversity for him. And so it really changed the way he saw the world. We're going to talk about what he learned and how he responded and how he used that experience to come up with the idea for his new business. And also the adversity he faced, his house actually burned down while he was building a climate tech company. And he used that experience to actually fuel his passion to build this business and to tell the story of the business. So it's a really incredible story. You're going to love just hearing from Diego, he's so deep. I love this guy and he's amazing and I know him well, so we were able to go very deep in the conversation. Now, my small ask for the week continues on last week's. I asked you last week to check out The 10% Entrepreneur because I feature Diego in there. Well, he's also in my second book, Fear of Missing Out, Practical Decision-Making in a World of Overwhelming Choice. So if you're keen on learning more about Diego, go check it out. You could buy it. You could find it at your local library. You could borrow it from a friend but definitely check it out if you're interested. And now, on to the interview. Basically, we're not gonna start with the usual question because we did that last week, so we're just gonna jump right in. So here we go, part two of my conversation with Diego Saez Hill. FOMO. All right, everybody, we are back with Diego Saez Hill to talk about his journey as an entrepreneur. It's a special two episode because you can't fit Diego in one episode. You need to have two episodes for this guy. So where we left it last week was Blue Smart, your smart suitcase company, had gone viral on Indiegogo, one of the top 15 or so campaigns in history on the site, 4 million sold. You gone, you just applied and gotten into Y Combinator. So pick it up there because a lot of cool things happened. Y Combinator, you did a second release of the suitcase, which went equally viral. You got your suitcase in the MoMA store. I mean, I think you were like in Herod's or something in the UK. Like talk yeah. about that that huge journey, that success that you experienced. And because it looks good from the outside, but obviously I knew you were like living in a warehouse in Hong Kong at some point. So tell us some some some, some about this this period of your life. Yeah, it was a very uh, crazy moment. In, in a certain sense, we were in the top of the world, right? We were featuring the New York Times in CNN. Uh, Sean Penn was seen uh, at JFK using our suitcase. We were in, you know, the top stores in the biggest capitals in the world. And, and then at the same time, uh, inside 
the company was a mess. You know, there was problems in the manufacturing side in China. You know, we were fighting a lot inside of the team, trying to see where do we go from here. And, you know, frankly, I myself, uh, after a couple of years and having been to China and having seen, uh, you know, the environmental pollution that the factories produce in China, right? And, and there is, of course, where the entire planet outsourced our manufacturing, right? And I was myself having questions. Uh, is this my purpose? Is this what I'm actually supposed to do, right? So it was, a, it was an interesting time. And all of a sudden, something uh, very unexpected happened, which is that the airlines decided to ban lithium-ion batteries because some Samsung phones had gotten on fire and the airlines were uh, worried about security. And all of a sudden, we couldn't sell our products anymore. So from the top of the world to uh, crashing in the floor uh, very rapidly, uh, because we had to figure out, okay, we cannot sell this product anymore. What do we do from here? And we decided to, um, to go and try to sell the company because there wasn't enough time and enough capital to pivot. And fortunately, again, we had a great product. We had great technology. We had several patents for the innovations that we had created. And so all the big luggage and travel products company wanted to talk to us. We talked to you know, the main brands and we finally got an offer by Travel Pro, which is again, one of the largest luggage companies in the world. And they bought the assets of the company. And yeah, from one day to another, we went from being on the top of the world to now a very public uh, failure uh, as a company. And, and again, you know, we tried to land the airplane uh, in the best possible way, acting with integrity with our investors and employees and customers and suppliers. Um, but it was a very interesting end of the chapter. Yeah, it's insane. I mean, you just said it, but you know, one day this is a company that has raised all this venture capital. I remember, I so a bunch of us, when we started this company, when you started it, a bunch of us invested $5,000 a person. And at some point, I think I calculated my $5,000 was worth like, $400,000 or something, which is insane. Like, and then it wasn't worth anything, unfortunately, because there were too many, you know, there's too many people to pay. It is what it is. Like it's, you know, you did it all the right way. You communicated, you were always straight up with us. Yeah. And there were, there were moments in which we, we got companies wanted to buy us for, you know, at, at the top of the wave, right? Mm. So we could have sold the company, uh, at, at, at a high value. But of course, we, we thought it was very early that the company has so much upside, so much to grow. But, you know, in a way, I feel that this is a way that this chapter had to happen. Totally. I mean, the, the one thing for all you investors out there and entrepreneurs, which I've learned the hard way is don't count the paper gain because until you have the money, it's nothing. <laughs> you know, it's just the reality right. of the thing. Yeah. Startup, startups are risky. Uh both entrepreneurs and investors must know that majority of startups fail, uh, but then the ones that actually make it create a lot of value, right? So you have to be aware of that risk and it has to be worth it. Most definitely. And so this happens and, you know, this was, you had been working so hard. You went from this, you know, as you said, kind of the top of the world to having to 
close down or not close down, but, you know, sell your, your business for far less than you knew it was worth. And it was very unfair because you had also done the work. You had done the diligence to figure out, make sure that you should be allowed to do these things. So it wasn't like these guys were careless, by the way. It just was like bad luck. And frankly, I now think about it. I mean, I know Away is with your competitor. They're still around. But the, then the pandemic came anyway. So like, it's kind of like that movie Final Destination where like at some point the Grim Reaper was going to come get you no matter what you did. I always like during the pandemic, I was like, well, Blue Smart, you know, I don't feel so, so bad anymore. But, uh, but what happened? Cause I know I, you know, we, we obviously kept in touch with this period and you went back to Argentina and you went on this really interesting kind of journey because yeah. you, it wasn't like, you know, you were in the dumps. So talk about kind of how you dealt with that. Yeah, I mean, definitely, as I said, it was a public failure. It was the crashing of, uh, you know, of a, of a big project. Um, and I was a, at a point in my life in which I was starting to ask myself, hey, um, what am I here to do in this planet, right? Yes, you know, it, it's been a, a fun journey, right? Leaving Argentina, becoming an immigrant, an entrepreneur, building things, bringing them to the world. But what is this for, right? And, and as I said, I, I had seen, you know, the pollution in China. Now, in this sabbatical, I went back to South America. And uh, one of my brothers had the idea of uh, doing a trip to the Amazon rainforest to clear our minds, right, and go and refresh. And in that trip to the Amazon rainforest, I got to see the deforestation of the Amazon, uh, which is quite shocking to see. You know, you see this beautiful old-growth forest, and then next to it, a clear cut, right? And and that was my second, uh, I like to say, eco-awakening, right? Uh, I knew about climate change. I had always cared for our planet. But one thing is to know it intellectually, another thing is to see it, Right. Um, but in combination to that, I took this uh, time as a spiritual sabbatical to really explore, um, you know, I, I had been exploring outwards for so long, and now it was a time for me to explore inwards, right? To go inside of myself and ask again who I am, what am I here to do, uh, what is important, what is not, Um and I was very fortunate to, uh, you know, discover a few uh, pointers that were super useful. Uh, one thing I did is I went uh, into a meditation retreat, uh, a Buddhist monastery where I learned to meditate and I learned um, Buddhism, which is an amazing philosophy. I don't see it as a religion. I see it more as a, as a life philosophy. And, and then that led me into reading a bunch of books about Eastern spirituality, which is such an amazing worldview. And then in parallel, on this Amazon trip, I reconnected with my South American indigenous wisdom traditions, right? So I am partially descendant of indigenous people. And, and, and that's an, an, an entire lineage that I had not you know, paid too much attention. And there's so much, much wisdom from the people of the Andes, right? This idea of Pachamama, uh, that, you know, the earth is uh, a living being, right? Um, and, and so there were several months of reading books, meditating, walking in nature, and asking myself big questions. And 
And today I'm super grateful that I gave myself time to do that because it was in a way a readjustment of life purpose. And, uh, and, uh, a learning about what really was important for me for the rest of my life. Right. Um, and I totally recommend people if you have time to do a mini spiritual sabbatical, I think is, is critical, especially, you know, in a moment in your life in which you're transitioning from something to something else. FOMO. Tudo bem, meus queridos FOMO sapiens. Now that right there was Portuguese. And as you know, I love speaking foreign languages, but I'm not alone. One in five Americans have learned a new language on their bucket list. If that's you, make 2024 the year you finally check it off that list with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's tips and tools are approachable, accessible, and delivered with conversation-based teaching so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Now, FOMO Sapiens, you know I speak four languages, and it takes work to stay on top of them, especially with French. C'est difficile. But with Babbel, I'm able to practice practical conversations that I can actually use in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners at babbel.com FOMO. Get up to 60% off at babbel.com FOMO. That's spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash FOMO. Rules and restrictions may apply. FOMO. You did a very, um, a longer trip that was involved travel and sort of stuff like that, which, you know, not everybody can do, but you don't have to get on a plane to the Amazon to read yeah. these books or to, I mean, this is available everywhere, online even, right? So it is valuable. I always say Diego is getting married next year and I'm going to his wedding and, um, I'm going to Argentina for it and I'm going to stay there for a little bit because I always say, uh, Argentina is like my sweat lodge as it were. Every time I've had a period of transition, I've always gotten a plane to Argentina. It's a place where for some reason my brain functions at a higher level. And so I'm taking that opportunity to spend some time to just like think about what, what is the next, you know, five years or whatever, um, which is a healthy thing to do for everybody. Even if you're just, you kind of think, you know, taking a little time away to just ask yourself big questions and sort of think about like, well, why am I doing this? is valuable. So thanks, Diego, for getting married so I can do that. Um, <laughs> now, I do want to pick it up there. So you, you go through this profound experience and you settle on this new idea. You make a lot of changes. You move to California. You live in this house in the forest. You start working on this idea for your new company, Pachama. Like, talk about the changes that you instituted and kind of what you what guided you as you, as you made these moves. Yeah, I remember uh, when I came back from uh, the Amazon rainforest, I wrote in my diary three big words, and these three words were purpose, nature, and community. And these were three things that I, uh, I, I was seeking in my life that I didn't have fully. So purpose, uh, it was about, okay, if, I, if I'm going to start a new project, which I was uh, reluctant to because it's so hard, right? And I had just experienced you know, the, the highs, ups and downs of, uh, of building a, a company. But if I'm going to start something new, it has to be very purpose-driven. It has to be, uh, you know, hopefully my life's purpose. Number two, I realized the power of being in contact with nature now, having been in, in the Amazon and in other, you know, ecosystems. So I want to live close to nature. And number three, the importance of community. And by community, I mean 
friendships and family and, and, and not forgetting that we are community people, right? Humans are social beings. And, and sometimes we forget when we are in our careers, you know, so focused on our own agendas, we forget about community. But yeah, I moved to a cabin in the woods of California in the Santa Cruz Mountains. And from there, I researched how can technology uh, play a role on helping solve the environmental crisis that we have in front of us, which is climate change, the collapse of biodiversity, the loss of so many ecosystems. And out of that research, the idea for Pachama came. And Pachama, I can tell you, uh, a one-line pitch is, uh, is a technology platform that uses technologies such as satellite data and AI to measure and monitor the carbon that forest sequestered and then use that data to help finance reforestation and conservation projects around the world through the vehicle of carbon credits, which companies need to achieve their sustainability goals. Uh, and the big vision is that from here to the 30s, we can hopefully help drive hundreds of millions of dollars, um, help protect hundreds of millions of hectares and help sequester millions of tons of carbon from the atmosphere. Um, in a way, uh, building uh, the Amazon or the uh, Airbnb of the forest, if you want, and, uh, and in doing so, hopefully helping on one of the biggest challenges that humanity has in face um, in space and now. It sounds like you learned how to show and tell. Is all I gotta say. Okay, That's very impressive. <laughs> like that was that was beautiful because I think this is a big idea, and I remember when I first heard about it. it, it you know, it, it's really evolved. You can tell the story in a much clearer way, which is obvious because you've been building this business for a while now. Now, there was a moment I want to talk a little bit more about because you've had some real success and some really interesting milestones and great people around you. But I want to go to this formative moment that for me, this is the thing that um, I'll never forget about you, I guess, as I think about your journey because I've been, you know, part of it. Um, you, you did something really, I think, courageous and true and real, which is that you experienced, you know, the, in your own life, the ravages of climate change, which was that your house burned down in forest fire. And it was, and you took that moment, which was a terrible moment because you lost all the, you know, everything, right? And you took it and you, you took that learning and the lesson into the business, into the mission of what you were doing. So talk about what happened because I, it was really, for me, that was like this moment where I saw like the new you, whatever you had done in, in, in this journey, like it made you kind of a much more resilient person than a lot of people I know. Yeah. Thank you. Um, it's crazy, right? I moved to this cabin in the woods in California to be close to nature and to start this new company to help solve climate change. And one day I go on a camping trip and I come back and the house is ashes. Um, the wildfires of the 2020s, the biggest wildfires in the history of California, uh, had uh, arrived to the Santa Cruz Mountains and from one day to another took hundreds of houses and mine was one of them. And yeah, it was quite a shock, totally unexpected. But you're right. I mean, I think that thanks to all the 
spiritual work that I had been doing before, I was able to turn this experience into more fuel for this mission uh, in the sense that one, now I was a victim of climate change myself and I could have the empathy of knowing what is going to happen for millions of people if we don't solve climate change. Number two, now I had nothing to lose again, right? I was back to zero. You know, all my possessions, all my life was gone once again. And I think that there is something powerful about, about that too. Number three, I was able to put to practice all these things that I had been learning from Buddhism and Stoicism and, you know, some of the philosophies I had studied, which is, you know, non-attachment, impermanence, uh, observing your emotions and the fluctuations of your mind without identifying yourself too much with it and being able to have the equanimity to uh, overcome any challenge that life throws at you. And of course, all that is very powerful as an entrepreneur, right? Uh, so I was able to put to test all the things and then charge forward very, very strongly onto the building of Pachama. And I think that also uh, it became part of the mythology of the company, right? So all the team members, all the people that were around the idea, all of a sudden felt, wow, okay, now we have a, you know, a very mythological origin story and now we have to go and make this a success. FOMO. FOMO. Diego, you just mentioned equanimity, which is actually a word I learned from you. Hmm. And I think it's it's good to stop there for a minute. Sure. Define that for everybody. Yeah, equanimity, I think, is uh, being able to react with calmness and perspective in front of any situation around you, uh, to be able to observe uh, the fluctuations of your mind the thoughts, the emotions that are coming to you um, without too much attachment to them. And from that center of peace, be able to make wise decisions. There you go. Again, show and it's tell. A concept. <laughs> <laughs> it's a concept from Buddhism, right? Mm. And, and, and it's what Buddhism says that you have to uh, foster through meditation and mindfulness. And the Stoics, which were Greek philosophers, had a similar idea around tranquility, right? And, you know, Marcus Aurelius and Seneca talk about, you know, developing tranquility. It's such, it's such a superpower. I mean, it's more than that, right? It's not like a tool yeah. per se, but in the, in the world we live in with the upheaval, with pandemics and political crises and economic crises and just the normal stuff of living life, if you can cultivate some of these things um you can kind of roll with the punches and when your house burns down you can find the ability to turn that into part of your mythology your company rather than you know it would be very understandable if you just threw in the towel and just went back to argentina after that because that is a huge blow but you didn't you raised you've raised 79 million dollars for pachama from a really interesting group of investors. If I if I have it correct, you've got Mark Benioff from Salesforce. You have Ellen DeGeneres and Portia de Rossi. I mean, that's an interesting. Get those people around a table. That would be fun. So um, what is, you know, you've, you've been building this thing for a while now. You've built, this is your you know third big venture. You're an immigrant, as, you, as we talked about earlier. You know, what is your advice for founders 
you know, just, you know, somebody who, who wants to follow in your path and understands now, cause you've given us the roller coaster. Like what I love about you is you're real about this. Like so many people try to tell you the story and they tell it in the hero's journey way. That's like a Ted talk, which is, you know, that's what people like because it's, it's like, uh, it's inspiring, but that's not real. Um, for most people. So what's your advice to entrepreneurs who are listening right now and they're like, Oh man, do I really want to get on this roller coaster? Yeah. Well, I mean, I think the first thing I would say is purpose, right? Um, starting a venture and frankly doing anything in life is hard. It's full of challenges. So if you're going to do it, do something that has a purpose that is bigger than yourself, something in which you're contributing to life, contributing to your community. Um, and spend time before starting a venture, really going deep inside of yourself, asking, is this a purpose that resonates deeply with my heart? Is this a purpose that I can work for uh, the next 20 years of my life? Because if things go well, you had, you're going to have to work for decades on your project. And and I think it's a superpower as well, because when you have a, an important purpose, not only is a fountain of motivation for yourself, but also it attracts incredible people. It, it attracts uh, employees that are actually motivated for the long term. It attracts investors that uh, will support you for the long term. It attracts customers. It attracts, you know, supporters from uh, every corner, right? So... I think my first advice would be um, start with a purpose that is meaningful to you. And frankly, as you said, we are in a very interesting moment in the history of civilization. So many challenges, giant challenges, climate change, now uh, you know, conflicts in Europe, um, inequality. Uh, the list of humanity's challenges is really long and at the same time, we have all these incredible technologies, um, things that allow for radical transformations very rapidly, right? So uh, I think that we have in front of us uh, either utopia or oblivion, as Mr. Fuller put it, right? So I think that it's critical that we have more entrepreneurs working on these big problems. So my first advice would be that, you know, do something that the world needs. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be easier, actually, because you're going to have all that energy behind you. Yeah, and I think for for everybody listening to you, the thing that I take away from today, many things, actually, is, you know, things don't go your way all the time. And when they don't go your way, can you take those things and make them a strength? The things that feel like weaknesses. I failed at this. I didn't do this right. This was wrong. Like we just heard Diego tell us that he paid attention in his moments where he was trying to figure out the path. He paid attention and the universe kind of gave you the answer. You even burned down your house. Sorry about that. But uh, you, yeah. you took that and you made it a strength. So if you want to find out more about Diego, first of all, go follow him on Twitter at D Saez Hill. That's D S A E Z G I L. You can find out more about Pachama on Twitter at Pachama Inc. or at Pachama.com. Diego, thank you so much for being here. 
Thank you, Patrick. I really, really appreciate our friendship and for many, many more decades of friendship. Yes, most definitely. FOMO. If you like today's show, please be sure to rate it and recommend it to your friends. And as always, you can find me on Instagram at Patrick J. McGinnis, on Twitter at PJ McGinnis, and on the web at FOMOSapiens.com or PatrickMcGinnis.com, where you can get all kinds of free resources to live a more decisive and entrepreneurial life. FOMO Sapiens is recorded in New York City. Theme music is by Mike McGinnis, and editing and post-production is by Josh Elstro. If you like today's show, please be sure to rate it and recommend it to your friends. And as always, you can find me at FOMOSapiens.com and at PatrickMcGinnis.com. To advertise on FOMO Sapiens, reach out to contact at FOMOSapiens.com. FOMO. FOMO.